that's the very term irreverent. What is really great is when you get the veterans together is that that whole collective irreverence when everybody is just busting on each other and, and just laughing about it and having a good time. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. Like I, I can honestly tell you, I don't think I've felt better other than watching my kids uh, be born than actually the feeling you get during and, and at a hike, just that whole, you know, and I've lost my voice so many times at hikes just because you so happy and I'll even be very candid. I've never used, you know, the eight tenses of the F word so much and I've never enjoyed it so much at a hike. That was former Marine Dan Maylert with the Reverend Warriors. More with him next, but first, a quick message. If you're looking for the Wait Would Have podcast, take note. That show has officially come to an end. The producers of the Wait Would Have podcast, which is basically me, have decided that after 100 episodes, it was time to close the doors and change things up a bit. As such, I'm producing a new podcast starting, well, right now. The first several episodes of the new show will co-air on everywhere you can listen to Wait What If. That's iTunes, waitwhatif.com, Stitcher, YouTube, all that stuff, for at least a few months. At which point, all new episodes will be aired solely under the new show title on iTunes, Stitcher, and the new website. What is the title? I'm glad you asked. Welcome, folks. You're listening to the premiere of 21 Gun, a podcast created to give veterans an outlet to tell their stories and hopefully bridge the divide between civilians and vets. This is the purpose of 21 Gun. The 21st century veteran is a completely different beast than civilian Americans are used to. Our views on military service is always misunderstood. I want vets to connect to people and other vets by sharing their stories, ideas, and beliefs. But I also want to give civilians a glimpse into the mind of vets and help them understand where we come from. So that's it, folks. I'm really excited to start this show. So let's get to it. Tonight's guest is Dan Maylard from Pennsylvania. He's a former Marine who joined straight out of high school and served as a Marine One crew chief on VH-60N and HMX-1. And that's that's the... Um, uh, the president's helicopter. And the crew chief, Correct. if it's anything like Air Force, I was an Air Force flyer, um, you're responsible for making the, sure the bird's operational. I think helicopter crew chiefs fly, don't you? No. Oh, okay. um, I will say that some probably can, okay. but no, we don't actually. Okay. Still a big, uh, especially when you got the president and DVs, vice presidents, all these people flying it. It's got to be a, a stressful job keeping that thing uh flying a little bit yeah so he then transitioned from the marine corps to the secret service uniform division as a police officer then he worked for the fbi on counterterrorism served in security operations role until 2013 then transitioned back to the dod uh the big thing i take away from there is is service it seems like your entire adult life you've been in service yeah pretty much um i guess you could say it was kind of a family thing um uncles um my dad tried to go in the draft but he um had a physical ailment with his back um my uncles my, my uh, all of my uncles all let me think here six of them uh were all in the military so it's just one of those things where you um kind of grow up in that that atmosphere and it's just kind of kind of what you do so yeah, it's um, it's very going into the military is very much a family thing I've found, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the weird thing about modern the modern day is like if you look back to the early 1900s, maybe 1920s, 30s, 40s, it was like it was a rite of passage. You know, all the big names like uh, Rockefeller and 
um, uh, Roosevelt and the Kennedys, they all went and they served. And now the world's kind of strain away from that. I, I'm, I'm hopeful, though, that maybe it's being revived a little bit, especially yeah. when you look at you know, politics and stuff like that. I'm seeing a lot more veterans, which I'm, I'm happy about. Um, so hopefully that a good change. So bring yourself back to when you were 18 years old, right? And you were coming out of high school and you were signing those yeah. enlistment papers. What, and, and be as honest as you can, because I'll tell you, when I signed my, my papers, I wanted to be like freaking... I don't know. Uh, I watched Black Hawk Down and stuff like that. I thought I was going to be a super operator jumping out of airplanes and, and saving the day. I mean, that, that was honestly my, what I thought life was going to be like in the, uh, in the Air yeah. Force. Um, what, what were you thinking? What was the, your goal? I, I mean, I'll be honest. I grew up in such a small town in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania that one of the primary drivers was I just needed to kind of get out of there. But, you know, like I actually I signed up open originally which is, you know, for the Marine Corps is like, that's like a dirty word. You don't do that. So basically you, um, you have no job until you graduate boot camp and then you're at the needs of the Marine Corps. But then, you know, after I had kind of committed, uh, my recruiter actually later came to me and said, Hey man, we have this need for air crew. Would you want to do that? He's like, how are you, you know, how, how do you, like aircraft and stuff. I was like, I love aircraft. So, um, I actually did not find out what my job was going to be until I left Pensacola. Oh, wow. Um, at the air crew school. So it was just one of those things, but turned out well. I mean, a lot of the stuff along the way was a whole lot of luck. Isn't it, um, the Marine Corps aviation, uh, group, aren't you guys like a, a different, I, I had a, a crew chief or a, um, engineer that flew with me and he was a former Marine. And, uh, I used to, he just, he wasn't the prototypical Marine. He was definitely not. Uh, shout out to Bob Cooey. And he's like, he's like, no, Sully, uh, aviation Marines were a little different than uh, the other Marines. I was like, all right. And I, I never knew what he meant by that. Oh, I absolutely agree. And it, it's not a, a I, I, I will still tell you, every Marine or Rifleman, that's the motto. We are definitely trained that way. But it's, there's a different, when you get in the air, um, everybody on that aircraft has an equal voice. So at any given point in time, if somebody's, you know, uncomfortable or whatever. So it's just that culture of, I would say it's more of a, a collegial type agreement um, between officers and enlisted. So it's, it's def I definitely got that vibe of you have to be a team on there and there is no hardened rank structure. Um, now, when you're on the ground, completely different. Um, and that's where, Absolutely. You'll see what I would just consider the standard Marine Corps. Right. But, um, I think when you look at an aviation, because the danger is just inherently involved with being in an aircraft, um, it's a different atmosphere. So you, you kind of gain a different respect and culture for what's going on. Um, I was listening to Tim, Tim Kennedy, uh, recently, I think he was on Joe Rogan. It might've been on that show. Uh, and he said, in the modern world and modern age that, uh, it's easier to get, a, to get into college than it is to get into the military and that special forces, especially these, these, uh, fast movers, they're, um, they're hurting for recruitment numbers because everyone's obese. No one plays sports. Everyone's on some sort of medication. Everyone's smoking pot. Um, and I don't know if that's by design because of the shrinking size of the force or if it's an actual worry that less and less people are serving. I mean, it was like, what, 0.5% of the entire country 
served at all during the the global war on terror. Yeah, and I think I think the number that kind of sticks out there and is uh, is often reported from various sources is only one percent of the eligible population period serves. Wow. Uh, and I I recall uh, about two years ago reading an already article from the Pentagon about how um, you know even out of that one percent how difficult it is to keep the motivation, the drive, and the actual will of the of that one percent to go through the whole process because of exactly what you said, some physical limitations um, and even more growing. So our mental concerns and other, other health concerns. So, or, or the desire to serve. I mean, I remember when I graduated, it was starting then that people would say, you know, get your grades up or do this or do that, or you're going to wind up having to go into the military or something like it was some sort of bad thing. Well, I think it's also too, from, if you remember the days of, um, go to jail or go to the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah. Um, that used to be a, a common sentence back in the day too. So I think that kind of stigma maybe still lingers a little bit even in, in culture. So. And then you get the the fraternity of um, veterans. It, it's getting the pool is getting smaller and smaller. So it's becoming more and more in- exclusive. What do you think that what role that plays in the disconnect between uh, veterans and civilians? I wonder myself sometimes if it's, have we been conditioned, I mean, veterans, have we been conditioned too much to be like on our own? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Or, right. And, and, and I'll use this word and I don't mean it in really in a, in a negative tone, but I feel like from a societal perspective, sometimes people either want to see us as or treat us as we're some sort of victim from what we did. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I am not right. I mean, I'm not a, I am not a combat veteran. I'll fully um, say that. Uh, But I, I knowingly and willingly signed those papers. Right. So I knew, I knew what the, you know, ultimate outcome could have been. Right. So sure. Yeah. Um, and I feel like unless somebody's forcing you to do it, I, I would like to think that most people who are signing those papers do understand that as well. Yeah, no, that's a that's an awesome question because I I feel like we deal with that too uh, with IW and how how do we combat that and get everybody to come out too because we notice it too very uh, generate really uh, generationally between the different branches mm-hmm. and even the different. Um, uh, service errors. So the pre verse nine, uh, pre verse post nine 11. There's two questions I want to ask, and I guess I'll start with this and then we'll go into irreverent warriors. So some people don't know what this mean. I'm going to let you describe it. What does 22 a day mean? So every day, 22 veterans. Now that number has waned in wax a little bit. So if you, if you follow the most current statistics, the VA is reporting about 20 to 21. Um, but the a bit back before the most recent study was released, 22 veterans a day were committing uh, suicide. It's it's sad and frustrating and angering all at the same time. So you had said earlier that we civilians kind of see us as damaged, as broken people, and then we fight back at that and we say, no, we're not damaged. No, we're not broken. Look at the good things we do, and then you know we have these high numbers of suicide. So then the question is. Are we damaged? I think some of us rightfully are, right? I, I think it would be naive to say that some of us aren't. Um, 
I think in some sort of way, all of us, no matter combat or other, um, have gone through a changing and altering event, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to say traumatic, but because that's like, to me, another level. Um, but when you are in highly stressful situations um, for extended period of times, right, which by definition kind of is military service, regardless if you're an E1 or a, an 07, right, you're, you're probably at some sort of time either responsible for or responsible to others in some sort of capacity. And that alone is a, is a bit of a stressful situation that wears on people, right? I mean, if you're, especially if you are in high speed units and you're on 24 hour watch type unit and you're, you know, in, in combat zones for extended periods of time, or even not combat, but areas where you're just not at home and it's, you know, it's still stressful depending upon the responsibilities you have two and four things, um, you know, it weighs on people, right? So that shared um, stress, I think that we've all gone through, um, sure, it it affects people more than others, you know, and that manifests itself into behaviors that we do every day. Like, I mean, even to the small things like not being able to tolerate, you know, what we view as kind of like either weakness or, or just annoying things. And then there are folks that have been you know, higher end, um, damaged, if you will, and, and do have PTSD. And with that, I want to kind of go into, well, let's talk about irreverent warrior, uh, great organization. In fact, I have to show for the camera here. Let's see. Am I on camera? I gotta, I'll do this one. So that's the reason why I have this one. I'm not wearing underwear. No, that was disturbing, but I do have my Ranger panties on for civilians. These are like what you wear when you're training. And, um, this is a weighted vest. It's not a, uh, I have a 40 pound one and a 20 pound one, and this is a 10 pound one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been wearing it all day because I'm preparing for the, um, I'm air force, man. I don't know how to ruck. <laughs> it's not a ruck. Uh, it's all right. but, uh, I'm preparing for the upcoming irreverent warrior, uh, 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 thing. So I'll let you, you go from there. Yeah. So, um, irreverent warriors. Well, I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the the quick on how it started, right? So if, if folks out there probably know his name, Donnie O'Malley. Um, he is the CEO for um, Vet TV, um, but he's also actually the founder of Irreverent Warriors. He was an officer in the Marine Corps and did a few um, a few tours overseas in um, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and when he came back. I think kind of what we were talking about, right? That that sense of man, I loved it, but it's caused an issue, and but I still miss it. And and I think collectively, what what we miss is are the people, um, the collectiveness, the the experience, right? The the go go go, right? Because it is adrenaline. I mean, it it is pure adrenaline sometimes. So he and a friend, um, they were on the beach. And they kind of were looking around. They said, wouldn't it be cool to get a whole bunch of veterans together and just march up and down this beach? You know, just get people together, have a good time, and kind of just do veteran, whatever veterans do, right? Just hang out, BS, tell stories. And uh, the friend that was with them said, yes, 
but we have to do it with Silky's on. And then that's, <laughs> that's how it started. And then in 2015, um, you know, he did all the incorporation and all that fun stuff. And that's kind of how it started. At the very origin, IW was this, I would say, more wild, crazy, get veterans together, have a good time. Yeah, the, the pictures then, the pictures you can find online are, uh, it, yeah. it looks fun. <laughs> yeah, it, and I will even say that we have taken great lengths to kind of pull those back because we are changing and growing and adapting. And I mean, but we're, we're not ashamed of anything that's out there. So I know a lot of folks say, oh, you know, hey, but it it's, that's what, that's who we are. Right. So we're not going to hide it. And, um, but the main premise of this, and I'll go ahead and give you the mission statement. It's, it's to, to bring veterans together using humor and camaraderie, uh, to improve mental wellness and prevent veteran suicide. So how we do that. And we focus mainly on bringing veterans together one, and then using that humor and camaraderie. So on hikes, uh, that's our main outlet. So we do have hikes, which, we call it 22 with 22 for 22. Um, and that's uh, 22K, which is roughly 13 to 14 miles um, with 22, which is about 44 pounds um, for 22. And that's for the 22 veterans who commit suicide a day. So um, we do that wearing rucks, we wear boots, we wear silkies. Um, but I will tell you, and candidly, the weight, the boots, um, I won't say so much the silkies, you, you will be mercilessly haggled if you don't wear silkies, but, <laughs> um, but you can get away with not wearing boots and, and not having a huge ruck either. So that, you know, that's kind of the gist of it, how it started, where it's at now. Um, we're growing, which is awesome. We, we feel like our, our method works and really to the root, the method, the methodology we have is, you know, bringing veterans together. Um, but it's to it's to stop the loneliness that, you know, from, from everything we can find research wise. And again, hopefully I'm doing Stephanie proud here that, um, loneliness is like the key factor that we can find that, that causes veterans to get into a deep state of decay and ultimately make that decision to take their lives. Um, and, and what's probably more alarming is that some of these folks are, you know, they have kids, wives, and they still feel lonely. And that's, you know, that's, that's what bothers me, I think the most, because, you know, I have a wife and kid and, uh, or kids, I should say. And, you know, it's a sobering feeling when somebody does that. And the only question you have is why, like what, what was so wrong that they chose that path? Um, and it's loneliness. So, we're just trying to get rid of that. You had mentioned humor as part of the, uh, I guess the the recipe for Reverend Warriors and Donnie O'Malley. I mean, that's his that's his thing is humor, and oh, yeah. and if you remember serving in the military, uh, you know, with, with everything, every emotion that's involved with it, humor is one of the best parts of it, and and it's it's not the humor that civilians are used to. They they wouldn't understand it. I've cracked jokes that I thought were perfect right and i've had yeah. people go like what the hell's wrong with you why would you say that and i'm like this is funny don't you think it's funny no one no okay i'll just shut up over here then well i mean that's that's the very term irreverent what is really great is when you get the veterans together is that that whole collective irreverence when everybody is just busting on each other 
and and just laughing about it and having a good time um and um you know yeah it's it's a good feeling like I, i can honestly tell you i don't think i've felt better other than watching my kids uh be born than actually the feeling you get during and and at a hike just that whole you know and i've lost my voice so many times at hikes just because you <laughs> so happy and i'll even be very candid i've never used you know the eight tenses of the f word so much and i've never enjoyed it so much at a hike thank you for your service what are your thoughts on that so that that term i gotta be honest with you it drives me insane to thank you for your service yeah. And I will even tell you amongst the uh, reverent crowd that I hang out with, we sarcastically respond with, you're welcome for my service. <laughs> so that's right. And it's like the Southern term, bless your heart. I really do think from a context, I, I don't think the veteran crowd has done this, right? I don't think veteran organizations have done this. And I know a hundred percent that the Vietnam veterans, when they came back are treated like garbage and that's, that's crap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's total. Especially because if anybody has a complaint, those guys do. Most of those guys were drafted. They didn't have a choice, right? Right. Now, you know, we even kind of did away with the draft, even though you still have to register. But I mean, so if anybody has a legitimate complaint and argument against the government and society, they absolutely do. Um, So, but I, you know, and I think along the line i totally agree with you that society decided to overcompensate somewhere either through recognizing a a past error um or i don't know if we've just gone so crazy politically incorrect that we just have to have to do that right like like you said like it seems like we've gone so overly polite or so overly correct that we just felt feel like we have to do that and i and I think it's it also uh, kind of leads to that part of veterans not wanting to be viewed as victims in most cases, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that term is, and that 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 term of endearment, especially a lot of guys see that as like, like, what are you thanking me for? You know what I mean? I did a job that I knew I wanted to do, and I did it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of like saying you know, you're thanking me for going to work every day for something I wanted to do. You know, I, I don't know. So I, I could see it kind of taking that term of con- condescension and, and that's kind of where maybe a lot of folks don't like it. Um, and I, I don't either, you know what I mean? I, I'd rather, I'd rather you just shake my hand and, you know, put your money where your mouth is, right? Go, go, go volunteer at a, at a, uh, VFW or, or, I mean, a, a VA hospital, go do something like that. What does it mean to be a veteran? Uh, in general, it's just somebody who served in the military to me. And, and I mean successfully because okay. I, I agree. You, you know, all the ass bags, we call them, you know, those guys for a reason. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a successful tour in the military. What is a word or a phrase that means a ton to you as a former Marine that will mean absolutely nothing to, to a civilian? Semper Fi. I mean, really. Um, and then th- there are some flight terms that I still find myself using. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a term out there. And I, I think um, if you know who Dakota Meyer is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Medal of Honor. It, we used it 
all the time in the in the uh, Marine Corps, but it was catch on the flip. Um, it was just a term we use. We get on an aircraft and come off, right? And you you'd leave the we used to call it the flight line, our shop, and we would just you go out and you give the old Hawaii salute and you'd be like catch on the flip, dudes, and then you go do your flight, come back, and um, I didn't experience it, but I know later a lot of guys I was with you know, they got that going out and those guys didn't come back. So yeah. Yeah. Um, just understanding that was always a, a common thing. And if you, again, kind of reference Dakota Meyer too here, he, um, he started a business called Flipside Canvas because I, I forget his name fully, but it, his gunnery sergeant during his deployment would say that quite a bit. So oh, okay. that was, yeah, that he was endeared with. CrossFit. Is it an intense workout that's good for you? Or is it filling a void of not having to overcome adversity in your life? <laughs> I'm biased because I'm actually a CF level one. So Oh nice, um, nice. Hey, you know what? I'm making fun um, of it, but I do CrossFit myself too. So No, it's it, I, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. It it works, but it's a lot of work and it will fill a void. I can tell you that. So yeah. because of the amount of time you gotta put into it, but um, I did enjoy it. I, I'm not as intense into it anymore, but anytime I work out, um, and I've even seen various military organizations, um, have adopted a form of CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know, they call it functional fitness, but, um, it, it, it works. Yeah. The, I, I don't know how to describe, but it works. I was just watching a thing on YouTube and it's the, uh, the new army PT test is like, uh, dragging things and doing kettlebells and it's, it's like legit. Yeah stuff like real stuff i think it's pretty cool personally yeah the marine corps has two so they they have the combat pft and the regular now do you know do you know what they had in the air force for a couple years when i was there then they changed it we had to ride a freaking stationary bike for like 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) 5.56 7.62 or 300 blackout take your pick 7.62 really yeah yeah i'm a m1 grand Okay. Type guy. Yeah. And my uh, my dad, um, he actually had a British version of uh, it's the three oh, I forget what it is. The British the, the three oh eight round basically. So, but I that the the M one uh, Garen was my favorite is and it still is honestly one of my favorite rifles ever produced. So. Nice, nice. I um I'm a five five six guy slash two two three, but. Uh, I'm I'm loving the 300 blackout, and uh, I've been I've been thinking about going to get myself a 300 blackout uh, AR yeah. pistol. I think that would be. I'm in North Carolina, so that's like that's just like going and getting a uh, going out to eat. And you're like, oh, we're just gonna go buy yeah. some. But the 300 blackout's pretty nice. It's it's basically you're taking your 7.62, and and your it's like a love child between the 5.56 and the 7.62. It's 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 a great yeah. round. It's expensive, but but what are you gonna do? <laughs> Okay, and finally, we're going we're gonna to end with this. What is the most misunderstood aspect of the veteran of the 21st century, specifically your post-9-11 veterans? Because they are, they are by far, not only because I'm one of them, but just looking historically, we're a totally different beast. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, so what is the most misunderstood aspect of us? I'll actually use a quote that somebody told me. Um, and I think this is very true, but I, when you when you look at the way we treated the Vietnam vets, and then 
I don't want to say kind of just glazed over Desert Storm and, and Kosovo and Bosnia. Yeah. Um, but the current generation, in my opinion, and I may be a little bit biased, but I'm both. I'm a pre and post 9-11 guy. So I was right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. OK, that makes sense. But um, is that I think that the current generation has the ability and I stress the word ability. Now, we'll we'll see about intent and all that does have the ability to be, and I don't say this loosely or cheaply, and I don't mean to demean, but the next, you know, greatest generation. I really think we do. It's just how we do it and go about it. So um, I think that concept might be a little bit either misunderstood or just, again, going back to what we've been talking about, how maybe some social overcompensation is trending to say that, well, veterans, you know, just need to be treated nice because they're messed up. And I don't think on the whole, even, um, even the folks that, you know, have PTSD and things like that. Um, I think everybody wants to be immensely productive, active. I mean, if you look at the hikes themselves, like we're not, and this is no slight either. We're not going to go sit in smoky bars and tell stories. We want to be out about, we want to be interacting with, um, everybody. And, you know, I think that, that linking back into society and then linking back into people, right. We have the ability to connect, to connect those dots between civilian life and, 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 and the veteran life. And I think that's really going to be that next generation, you know, the next great generation type attribute. And, um, I mentioned his name earlier, but that was actually something that Dakota Meyer had passed. Cindy and Cindy and I talked, uh, Cindy brought up. So I, I really do believe that. And I think hearing somebody say that like that, um, is awesome to hear that. So yeah, I think we, we have a lot of potential. Good answer. Um, so when uh, Clint Romache was up at the, uh, the yep. Burbiz and I wanted so I don't think unless you're in the military, you can understand the reverence that veterans have for the Medal of Honor, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's not only the actions of those who earn it, but it's also they're wearing it for the actions of those who will never know their story. And it's I mean, yeah. it's a burden that I couldn't e I couldn't even imagine. I, I can't imagine having having to to carry that. And I wanted to talk to him, but I didn't want to bother him. You know, I know that senators and every veteran knows who Clint Romache is and wants to talk to him about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. I mean, there's nothing that I can say to him that he hasn't already heard from 400 people, uh, 4,000 people who knows. And I mean, what, uh, so I don't know. That was, that was a tough thing for me because I really, I really wanted to meet him. Uh, but I wasn't sure how to, how to actually go about that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really try to bother him either. Um, he walked up um, and Donnie, you know, was talking to him for a little bit and I just happened to kind of be there. Yeah. And it was just more, hey, how you doing? You know, nice to meet you. I, I too kind of, yeah, it's almost, yeah, we do. I guess in the military community, they, you know, they are our celebrities, if you will. And I don't mean that again in any sort of cheap sense. Yeah, no. Because it's a, it's a in my opinion, Right. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I, I don't know if I could imagine that from that, that burden concept. Right. I mean, that, that's a lot to bear. Yeah. Uh, 
and I mean, you go down in history. Yeah. It's it's a it's yeah. a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things. Like he, you, you, you don't want to be that guy. I just don't want to be an asshole. Time. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I was just going to talk to him about his beard because he's got a good beard, and uh, I've I've grown mine out a few times, but uh, he's definitely a better bearder than I am. That's for damn sure. All right. Well, hey, uh, Dan Malliard. No, Mallard. Uh, people yes. can find, where can they reach Irreverent Warriors? Sure. So it's uh, irreverentwarriors.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter and um, yeah, just your general interwebs. So Civilians can go and volunteer, but the hike itself is meant strictly for, for veterans. Did I get that? Yeah, it's for veteran, um, active duty, reserve, and even um, foreign service officers who are obviously veterans, right? So yeah. we don't. If you happen to be in an area where you, you know, you have those folks, we welcome them as well. So, uh, and then yes, if if your you know family or loved ones want to contribute, they're they're welcome to volunteer. But it's kind of that we we purposely do that for veterans just so that they can, you know, be who they are without having to you know, kind of temper their, their expectations or, or behaviors. So, well, it's a great organization. I can't wait for my first hike. Um, I think you guys are doing a lot of good. Uh, you know, we're, we're, like I said, a unique generation of veterans. We're all doing our part, I guess, to, to kind of get us together, maybe get that 22 number down. Um, yeah. yeah. And so this is the inaugural, uh, uh, I, I was going to say my old podcast, wait, what if, but, um, no, this is 21 gun podcast you can check us out so today is memorial day you can check me out at uh www why do we say that the ww you know it's shorter to say world wide web <laughs> it's actually less syllables <laughs> yeah check me out on world wide web uh spell it out 21gun.net 21gun.net because uh it's the only one i i could find if you want to talk to me if I, i'm trying to get actively get veterans on the show we've got a lot lined up i'm excited there's a massive pool of you guys that want to talk but you can email me directly at kevin at 21 gun spelled out 21 gun.net um i'm on instagram just look up 21 gun the my it, my twitter on my last podcast twitter was like that was my go-to uh mm-hmm. and now i'm kind of moving away from that and it feels good because instagram is more it's it's less of that political bullshit, right? You don't really have to worry about that. I do have one. It's at twenty one gun number four. I don't know why it did that. I like looked afterwards and it was the number twenty one G U N four. So whatever that means, that's where I'm at on Twitter. But I'm not going to really spend a lot of time there. And of course, at uh, podcast, I mean at uh, Facebook, it's twenty one gun podcast. Um, but yeah, we had a great time with Wait What If. Uh, really successful four years, over a hundred interviews, and we're just. Uh, we're going to try to keep that interview thing the way it was, uh, you know, tap into some deep thoughts and stuff, but it's going to be about veterans. And I, I hope to, the goal is to bridge that gap, is to bridge that gap between veterans and civilians. And um, it's folks who are sharing your stories uh, like you, Dan, that that I think is going to make this successful. So looking forward to uh, many years doing this. And I thank you for being the, the first guest. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me. All right, cool. And I will keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. You take care. Thanks again. You too. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to 21 Gun. For more information on the podcast, visit 21gun.net. Spell it out, 21gun.net. 
If you're interested in getting in touch with me, shoot me an email, kevin at 21gun.net. Again, spell it out, kevin at 21gun.net. Thanks again for listening. Till next time.